How many of you enjoyed last week getting to celebrate with everybody in their baptisms? You know, that should never get old for us as believers. You know, because it's us getting to celebrate with other people. But it also is a good reminder for us, um, you know, about what God has done in our life. And, and what he's continuing to do. And, you know, and, and so that ought to bring some excitement to you. It ought to do something in your heart. Uh, seeing, uh, you know, just people uh, really coming to the Lord. But also just celebrating what God has done in their life. And I believe uh, moving forward we're going to get to see a lot more of that happening. Um, you know, more and more where people are getting saved. And having an understanding, uh, you know, of really what God has done. But even just walking in obedience, uh, you know, to the Lord. And so uh, this morning I want to kind of jump on the end of that, you know, as far as uh, another step, if you will, and I kind of have two purposes this morning. Uh, Number one, I believe that this is a very misunderstood subject, and it's not something that I teach on fairly regularly, I suppose I try to, um, because it is one of the things that kind of, I think, differentiates us maybe as a church, because we are a spirit-filled church. And, uh, you know, and you're like, well, I'm not sure what that means. Or maybe you have a bad understanding of what that might mean. And so, um, but there's really two things that I believe are important because I believe in a spirit-empowered life. Uh, I know this is that I tried to live for God in the best of my abilities and I failed miserably time after time after time. But when I got filled with the spirit, everything changed. It didn't mean that I didn't have problems, but my ability to overcome those problems changed drastically. And, uh, you know, and the longer that I've walked with the Lord, the more and more and more and the closer that I walk with the Holy Spirit, the more I realize actually how much I need Him. Uh, you know, you would think it would be the reverse. The longer you walk with Him, you're like, okay, well, we're doing good. I'm convinced more today than I was 20 years ago that I need the Holy Spirit every day. You know, um, you know, even in, I was thinking about this this morning a little bit, even in regards to this, and we'll look at some verses here in just a moment. But, you know, for me, preaching Yes, I need the help of the Holy Spirit, but there's also a gift and anointing in my life for that. But you know, I actually need the Holy Spirit's help more in my day-to-day life than I necessarily need to stand in a pulpit and preach. Why? Because God's going to move. God will be God and God will do what He says. And if I preach God's Word, He's going to do it. But every day is when I, where I really have to have dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm not dependent on the Holy Spirit because I don't want to get up here and just talk. I want the presence of God to move upon your heart and to move in your life that the power of God would be present. Well, I can't do that. That's only the work of the Holy Spirit. So it's not that I don't, but there is a greater degree of me needing the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit daily. And so there's two aspects, if you will, or two sides to this, because I realize some of you are very well versed, but, uh, you know, as far as what Scripture says, but I also believe that just as the Bible says is that we have to be ready to give an account for what we profess or what we believe. First Peter chapter 3 says that, verse 15. He says, always be ready to give, you know, basically to share what you believe and why. And one thing that I have found is that many times we know what we believe, we just don't really know why. Well, I believe in the Holy Spirit, but somebody says, okay, well, why? And we're like, uh, I'm, uh, I'm not, because they say that at my church, I don't know. Well, I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, I speak in tongues, okay, but can you tell somebody why, or even more importantly, how? I mean, it's really important. Why? Because that's part of how are we going to reach people and touch people if we can't show them from Scripture. I mean, a story is great and a testimony is wonderful. But I didn't get 
saved, number one, or filled with the Holy Spirit just based off of somebody's story. Now, they may have encouraged me or motivated me or whatever the case may be, but I had to see it in Scripture that God wanted it for me. And that made all the difference. So you may be here this morning and you're on that side of it where you're like, man, I know all these things and that's great and that's wonderful. But the other side of that, even if you're in, in that part, my encouragement to you is to, is to think of it and to assess it from this point. How often do you actually practice praying in the Spirit? It's one thing to say, well, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. But how much are you actively operating in that in your day-to-day life why because it brings about a sensitivity spiritually that we need now you may be here this morning you're like i have no idea what you're talking about well that's good because hopefully by the end of today you will you know and so uh let's just kind of jump in this but as i said you know last week we were uh getting to celebrate with some who had been water baptized and you know and and i believe uh you know that it's important that we also understand because the Bible talks about that there is a very specific path that we are to walk as believers. First and foremost, we get saved. We accept Jesus as the Lord of our life for the forgiveness of our sins. We receive eternal life. Then comes water baptism. That's the way Jesus did. And then, but then he also told the disciples that they needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, and you're like, well, do you have to be water baptized before you get filled with the Spirit? No, you don't. Uh, You know, I mean, I've seen people have all three happen in just a few minutes. I mean, I've seen people get saved and start speaking in tongues right then. Well, why? Because I don't know. They were open to it. Uh, they were, you know, willing to allow the Lord to work in them in, in, in that manner. And so, but, uh, you know, it is that salvation has to happen first. That's the first and foremost. Um, you know, and then water baptism or baptism, they can come either way. I've seen it happen both ways. And so, for me, it happened where I got saved, baptized, and then years later, years later... That I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And for me it was uh, more of a mental. Because I'm analytical. And I'm trying to figure out how does this thing work. And that, uh, that ain't going to work. Because why? Well, it's an operation of the Holy Spirit. It's a surrendering of your will. Uh, to allow the Holy Spirit. So let me show you a few verses here. About this. Because the Bible speaks of another baptism. Which we've already, I've already shared it. But it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 7. Starting at verse 37. Jesus stands up on the last day of the festival and he stood and he shouted to the crowds. He says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me and anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Now, you know, I believe that this verse is absolutely true. Why? Because Jesus himself says it. But also many times I believe that if we're not careful, even as uh, believers, that we will misinterpret this verse. Now, you know, some of this is just words, if you will. But it will make a difference. Because you may get into a place in your life where you find yourself spiritually dry or spiritually apathetic. And you think, oh, I need to go get into a service where the presence of God is so that I can be refreshed. There's nothing wrong with that. But keep reading what it says in verse 38. Because Jesus says that rivers of living water will flow from where? From within. That means I don't have to go and look for something. Why? Because the presence of the Holy Spirit will bring strength, will bring refreshment. But I have to give place to him. But it goes on here in verse, I'm sorry, verse 39. He says, when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit. Jesus says, look, all you who are thirsty, come to me and drink. He wasn't saying, hey, you need to go chase the latest fad or the latest thing in church. You don't need to go. What you need to do is to look for the person of the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Godhead. 
of the Trinity. He says, when he speaks of living water, he's speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. So Jesus gives an instruction here and he says, look, you need something that you don't currently have. That something is the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a ghost. It's not a dove. He is a person. That you can have a relationship and a fellowship with. And it's needed. My, my personal theology is that every believer can and should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to touch on a few things this morning about this. Because there's lots of questions. And so part of the reason that I'm going to answer some of these questions is so that you know how to answer them. You know, because there, there's many people, and even scripturally speaking, you can't get saved without the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot of thought and, and, and teaching that says, well, you've received all the Holy Spirit you can get at salvation. Well, Jesus himself didn't think that. I mean, the Bible says that Jesus had, had the Holy Spirit without measure. But yet the Holy Spirit still had to come upon him. We see that when he was baptized in the river. Jesus did no miracles until the Holy Spirit came upon him. And so there is, you know, and really, and, and we're going to look at these things, but I just want to say some of this up front to be clear, is that there is a twofold work of the Holy Spirit. It's not that somebody who has never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't have the Holy Spirit. That's not the case. They do have the Holy Spirit, but not at the same measure. It is different. And you say, well, how do you know that? Number one, because I see it in Scripture. And number two, I've experienced it. You know, and so we're going to look at some things this morning together along these lines. You know, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit often. He made it a priority with his disciples to speak. Why? Because Jesus knew that he was not staying around forever. But he also knew that God had a plan, that God had a purpose, and that that would that even once he left, that things would actually be better. He said this to his disciples in John 16. You can go and read John chapter 14, John chapter 16. Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit. And he actually says that he would be a helper, one who would come alongside and aid you. He was the Spirit of truth that would lead you into all truth. You know, and there is another dimension That you can step into as a believer. And Jesus even says, look, it will be better for you if I go. Because then the Spirit will not just be with you, He'll be in you. I mean, the disciples had been with Jesus. But you know, they could also leave Jesus, and they did. Right? The Bible calls it betrayal. Jesus was no longer with them. Now, that was all God's plan. Praise the Lord for it, because we get to... Experience the blessings of that. But how many of you realize that you can't run from the Holy Spirit? I mean, you can try. It's like the psalmist wrote. Man, I can go to the heights of the heavens and there you are. And I can go to the depths of the oceans and yet you find me still. Where can I go to run from your presence? Well, in our life as believers, it's important that we understand these things. Yes, the Holy Spirit does come, but there is a second, uh, I'll say it this way, there is a second experience 
outside of salvation that God wants for us. That Jesus made it very clear to the disciples in Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read you a couple verses from this. But, uh, you know, kind of give you some background. At this moment, when Jesus is talking to the disciples, it's been 40 days since his death, burial, and resurrection. 40 days since resurrection, actually. But, um, you know, he was... had. I mean, at this point, he has already gone to heaven. He has already cleansed heaven of the sin of Satan. Which some of you may be like, what in the world? Go read your Bible. If you got questions, come on, let's talk about it. But sin entered heaven when Satan, the Bible says, was lifted up in pride. Well, he was also the angel. He was the head worshiper in heaven. And it says it actually tainted heaven. So even when Jesus died for our sins, it wasn't just for our sins. He also had to go with his blood and cleanse heaven. The Bible says he had to cleanse the mercy seat. Why? Because it had been defiled. Just like man's heart had been defiled, heaven had been. As well. Well, Jesus had to take his blood. Well, at that moment, Jesus cleansed heaven. Uh, salvation was secured. And now he comes back. And the, and the disciples at this point have now, you know, like doubting Thomas. I won't believe until I put my finger in his hand and my fist in his side. You know, and of course, Jesus makes the famous statement. Blessed are you because... You believe, but because you've seen, but even more blessed are those who believe because they haven't seen. Well, salvation it was available at that moment. Well, this is after that. So the disciples at this point are saved just like us. They're not waiting for Jesus to do something. Salvation as we know it today is real in this moment when Jesus is making this statement. He says in verse 4, Jesus was eating with them and he commanded them. He says, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. God looks at his sending the Holy Spirit to us as a gift. Now, if you know you have a good heavenly Father and he only gives good and perfect gifts, don't you want the gift? You know, I mean, I saw something yesterday online, and it was, I don't know, somebody had a garage sale, and they had a mystery box, and it said $10, and and underneath it I saw where it says, do you dare? (laughs) God doesn't give gifts like that. I'm not sure if this is a good thing, I'm not sure if this is a bad thing, I don't know if I want this or not. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father, and Jesus says, wait till the Father sends you His promised gift. Because this much you know, it's going to be good. It's going to be for your blessing. It's going to be for your benefit. He goes on in verse 5, it says, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Drop down to verse 8. Jesus continuing, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to receive a divine impartation. A divine ability is going to come upon you when the Holy Spirit shows up. Now, I'm going to say this because I believe it with all of my heart. But the question might be, well, how do I know if I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You'll know. No one had to explain to them on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit had shown up. It was evident There was a noticeable change. You took Peter from being a coward to being the man who would stand up and declare with great boldness the gospel of Christ. What was the difference? The Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit and His presence and His influence in our life cannot be understated. Here it says that you would receive power, divine ability, and empowerment from God to live this life. It doesn't mean that any, by any stretch of the imagination, that to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit makes you a better Christian. The impartation of the Holy Spirit has everything to do with this life. Salvation is for eternity. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, has to do with this life. When we go to heaven, we won't need to be filled with... Why? Because God's presence will completely surround us. Right now, we are not completely surrounded by the presence of God. There's evil. There's all kinds of things around us in this world. And yet, here, it says that power would come upon us. Well, power for what? God, you know, I've made this statement a lot. Is that God never sends or does anything without a purpose. He's not just sending the Holy Spirit just because. He has a divine purpose and reason behind it. He says that when the Holy Spirit would come upon you, you would receive power. Ability. Something beyond ourselves. It goes on in the second part of verse 8. And he says that when the Holy Spirit would come upon you. He says you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So you're going to have a power that will come upon you for what purpose? So that your light can shine brighter for Christ. So that people can see a marked difference in you. I didn't have to tell people. When I started walking with the Lord, when I got filled, why? Because there was evidence that shown that something was different. I've shared this many times. One of the things that my mom said when I got saved, I was 16 when I got saved, almost, you know, not too far away from being 17. And she said that she knew the Lord had done something in my life because ESPN was no longer the dominant thing in my life. There was a, and I didn't tell anybody. She just said, you don't watch it all the time. Like you used to. Things were different. I had different priorities. I mean, you know, and I'm not saying this for everybody, but for me, I I played baseball my entire life. When I got saved, that was it. I laid it down. Not because I didn't love to play. Wasn't anything, but I knew it's not what God had for me. And so it wasn't a big decision for me to say, you know, I know that this isn't what God has for me. I'm going to lay this down. To me, it was like a no brainer. No one coerced me. No one else said anything to me. about it. it was just, this is what I need to do. Well, how did I know that? It's by the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, and that's the thing is that the Holy Spirit comes to help. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you strange. He doesn't make you weird. He doesn't make you do anything you don't want to do. That's not the God that we serve. It's just not. You know, I heard somebody one time say it this way, is that the Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird. You were weird before the Holy Spirit, and you'll be weird after the Holy Spirit. And that's true. And I believe that. Because I've met a lot of weird people that weren't Spirit-filled, and I met a lot of weird people who were. And I'm like, y'all all crazy. There's something wrong with all of you. So the Holy Spirit is not weird at all. People may, you know, may claim that He makes them weird, but He is not weird. It's quite the opposite. This is what I've seen when I truly have watched the, the Lord work and the Holy Spirit work in people's lives, that He actually brings a stability into people's life. There becomes a, 
as opposed to this all the time. There becomes a, a steadiness. Why? Because it's the, the Lord working on the inside of us. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21 says this. It says, It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm in Christ. It says, He has commissioned us and He has identified us <clears throat> as His own, placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a first installment that guarantees everything that He has promised us. How do we know that we're actually saved? The Bible says it's the presence of the Holy Spirit. That initial presence of the Holy Spirit actually is what gives us confidence to say, yes, we're actually going to be saved. Why? Because I sense something different in my life. My heart has changed. My desires have changed. My intentions, my motives have changed. And here it says that it's the presence of the Holy Spirit in our heart. And so you have to ask the question, what's the difference between salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's an important question for everybody to be able to answer. I mean, if you profess to believe... In a spirit-empowered, spirit-filled life. One of the major differences is that being saved is about accepting Jesus' lordship. In other words, I'm not my own. That Jesus is, is the Messiah. I've received forgiveness of my sins. And I have received eternal life. That's what salvation ultimately is about. Now that's a very quick statement on a very massive subject. But that's ultimately what it's all about. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is about living for God in this life and having the assistance of God in every day to know Him, to overcome sin, and accomplish His will in my life. Now, I can't do this on my own. See, here's the difference. In salvation, my sins are forgiven. Through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I now get the power to really walk and, and conquer sin in my life. I mean, I got saved and I asked for forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. Why? Because I kept doing the same dumb stuff. See, I had received forgiveness, but I had not received power to actually change. That is the major difference. But here's the other side. This is not willpower. This is not me doing this on my own. This is a cooperation, learning how to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit when He says, don't say that, don't do that. Turn the channel. Don't hang out with this person. I mean, I had the Lord tell me that early on. There were two friends that He said, you you got to cut ties with these guys. Still, to, to date, one of the hardest decisions I've ever made. I'm a very loyal person, so if I say we're friends... We're friends. You know, it's just my mom's that way. I'm that way. My dad's that way. I don't know if it's a family trait. It's just the way we are. And yet I knew that the Lord told me, you've got to separate from them. I would love to say I was instant in obedience, but I wasn't. It took me some time, but God is gracious. But ultimately, I had to learn... How to hear the voice of God. How to, and because it's not audible. Many times it's just a little something on the inside of you. Just to, Let me say it this way. It's like a thought that ain't your thought. And you recognize, I wouldn't have had that thought. You know, I was talking about love two weeks ago. 
You know, when you're good and ticked off at somebody and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gives you a little something and tells you to do something nice for them? That ain't your thought. I can just tell you. Go make that right with that person. I'm not wrong. They're wrong. Why would I go make it right? Because it's the Holy Spirit what leading you in the truth of walking in love with people. Doesn't mean that we're right or wrong just to go repair a relationship. But the Lord's saying, hey, you need to go fix this. You need to get the relationship, relationship back right. Well, that is the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. But it is about us understanding that, man, that we've got to have the assistance of God every day. It's an acknowledgement on our part of, Holy Spirit, I need you. And more importantly, Holy Spirit, I want you. See, there's a lot of people who want what Jesus has to offer. They want to be forgiven. They They want to have a clear conscience. But they still want to do what they want to do. Well, that's where salvation really comes. Why? Because this Lord, Jesus, is he's in control. He's the boss. And so that has to be settled truly at salvation. That's why we have a lot of people who claim to be Christians but are not. Because they are still firmly in the driver's seat of their life. I mean, Jesus made it very clear throughout Scripture. I mean, we live in the Bible Belt. Everybody's saved around here. I mean, you ask him, oh yeah, I got saved. Really? And look, I fell into this category, so I can talk about people like this. Because you'd ask me, I'd have said I was saved. I grew up in church. I went to church. You know, I clapped my hands. I might even raise my hand. I might have shed a tear or two. God's presence may have come upon me. Oh, well, I've got to be saved. No, I wasn't. I played the part. I looked the part. I did all the things that saved people do. That's partly because my parents made me. Just being honest. But I wasn't saved. I had no remorse for my sin. As a matter of fact, I was trying to look for more of it. That, that's just my story. I ain't throwing stones this morning. I'm just telling you, honestly, mine. When I got saved, and when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, even my desires changed. It's not that I didn't screw up, but when I did, I understood that I had missed the mark. But I also understood that God was faithful and just to forgive me. Amen. If I would just go to Him, that there was no longer that shame and that guilt. I wasn't happy about what I had done. But then as I learned to walk with the Holy Spirit, He began to help me to overcome those same areas of sin that I actually got victory in those areas of my life. This is part of the difference. I like this. I I, I found, uh, or I read this, and one guy said it this way. He said, salvation is like taking a drink of living water, a cup of living water, or taking a drink from a cup of water uh, that resurrects the inside or the spirit inside of you. But he says, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like jumping into the lake where the water came from. When we get saved, we get a taste of what God has for us. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like what unlocks the dam of the flow of God. That pours into our life. And it's important and it's necessary for us as believers. Now here's one of the things that is very important is that it is a separate experience because it's a separate decision. 
It's not an automatic thing. Well, I got saved, so I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Not scripturally. That doesn't hold. Now, people can get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time. But this is what I would tell you. Typically, when that happens, it's with somebody who doesn't have, really doesn't have much of a religious background. Like, well, why is that? I don't know. I'm just... <laughs> because they don't have to be untaught anything. God said, I should receive the Holy Spirit, so I'm going to get salvation. Might as well get the Holy Spirit, too. Here's the other thing. You ain't got to know squat about the Holy Spirit to receive Him. You ain't got to go, go through, you know... Two years of training and schooling. Anyone who's thirsty, let him come to me and drink of living water. Anyone who's thirsty, let him come and drink of the Holy Spirit. What's the requirement? Desire. That's it. God says, I can teach you later. Sometimes it's better. Some of the hardest things that I've had to learn about the Bible are things I've had to unlearn because I learned the wrong way up front. So I had to... Get bad thought, bad thinking, bad theology out. So that I could actually understand Scripture. And that's still a process that's still happening, hopefully, in all of us. We should all be growing. None of us should be at the place where we've arrived and we've got it figured out. If, you, if, you're, if you've arrived, you're in trouble. The devil is lurking, waiting. But we ought to always be wanting to grow. That's why it's also important why we have the Holy Spirit. Now, let me give you uh, the clearest biblical uh, example of this that I can show you. It comes out of Acts chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 1, Acts chapter 19. He says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he had reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. So these are Christians. Paul finds some Christians. He's on a missionary journey. He finds some people who believe in Jesus. And he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we haven't even heard about this Holy Spirit. Then he, uh, and then he says, then what baptism did you experience? They responded and said, the baptism of John. So John the Baptist. Well, what was the baptism of John the Baptist? It was baptism of repentance. What did John the Baptist speak? Repent, turn from your sins, turn back to God. The Bible says that he came to what? Prepare the way for the Messiah. So he came with a baptism of repentance. If you know you've missed God's standard, come and repent and be baptized. But Jesus said what? That, or I'm sorry, John said this about Jesus. that He said that, look, I baptize with, with water, but one greater than me, who he says, I'm not even worthy to tie up his shoes, is coming who will baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire. That word fire actually could be translated power as well. With the Holy Spirit and power. So even before Jesus shows up on the scene. John is already saying. Jesus is coming. But he's going to bring the Holy Spirit as well. With him. This power. This ability. So they say. Hey we we got baptized in the baptism of John. Verse 4. John's baptism. Paul uh, Responds and says, John's baptism calls for repentance from sin, but John himself told people to believe in the one uh, who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. We don't baptize in the name, you know, last week I didn't say, I baptize you now in the name of John and Jesus. And No, it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that's the Great Commission. That's the biblical order that we see, that we're to do it. 
But then it says in verse 6, it says, Then Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. Now, are these people saved? Yes, they are. They be- I mean, it says that Paul came upon some believers. They're saved. They believe in Jesus. They've, they've received salvation. And yet here, when Paul lays his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. But I thought the Holy Spirit came when we got saved. In a measure, yes. But even here, we clearly see. Now, we have read straight through. This is six verses. We've not skipped anything. They talk about salvation. They talk about water baptism. He asked them, have you heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And they said, we don't know nothing about that. So he baptized them in the name of Jesus, then he lays his hands upon them. Now it's important in Scripture, you know, I mean, I think most of you probably understand this, but we see this throughout Scripture time and time and time again. It doesn't always have to be this way, but there is something supernatural about the laying on of hands. There is a spiritual transference that happens. Now it doesn't always have to be that way. I mean, sometimes Jesus would speak and people would be healed. But more times than not, Jesus touched those people. It was, it was more the norm that he would touch people. He would go around touching and healing and delivering people. Now we have other accounts where he would speak the word or people would touch his garment or whatever the case may be. That's why we, we're not, in a sense, pigeonholed that, hey, we have to lay hands on people for everything. But yet there is still a spiritual principle that something, and I believe that it's the anointing that gets transferred. I mean, James chapter 5. Are any of you sick? Call for the elders. Let them anoint you with oil. How do you anoint somebody without touching them? You can't. It says that laying hands on them in the prayer of faith will even heal the sick. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Casting out devils, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. Well, see, Paul here lays hands upon a group of people to receive the Holy Spirit. And it says that when he lays his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in other tongues and began to prophesy. It says there were about 12 men in all in this group. So we see a very clear example, one of the clearest I can find in Scripture, about the, whole, the baptism of the Holy Spirit being a clear second experience, secondary moment. Now, you can't be baptized without, with the Holy Spirit without being saved. I've shared this many times. I was professing saved, but I could never get... I mean, I remember as a kid, being in kid's church, people getting filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm looking around going, how come I can't do this? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I got prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The problem was no one ever took time to make sure I was actually saved. And I'm convinced to this day that I was not saved. Therefore, I could not be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when I actually got saved... Like within just a couple of days, I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And no one laid hands on me, by the way. Somebody said, if you're here and you want that, just receive it. And I did. And I began to speak in other tongues. So you don't have to have hands laid on you. But is it going to hurt? No, it's not. And so, you know, we see this here. And, and so, one of the things that I would say, and, I, and I've read this in multiple different commentaries, different places, and I, and I really like the way, and I've kind of phrased it in a certain way, but 
that the Holy Spirit comes on us at salvation for our Christian character. Think of it this way, the fruit of the Spirit. When we get saved, the Holy Spirit works, but it's in the area of our character. Our life should change. Look, I've met a lot of really godly people that really knew nothing about being filled with the Holy Spirit. But they were very godly. Some of the most godly people I know, we disagreed on this part of Scripture. Close friends of mine. They were from different denominations, different backgrounds. We just disagreed. That's fine. I don't have to hate you because we don't agree. Although that's the way much of the church acts. No, but the Holy Spirit at salvation comes into what? It deals with our character. Really, that's the fruit of the Spirit. And I think a Spirit-filled church is many times we neglect that for the sake of the gifts of the Spirit. Which is really the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, one of the things I would caution about, and it's just something that, um, that, I, that I really hold to, is that the gifts of the Spirit without the fruit of the Spirit will always be abusive. And I have experienced that firsthand. And I mean, you know, one of the ways that we were wounded was in the name of spirituality. But there was no real love and there was no real motivation of the heart of the Father behind it. You know, and so, but so the Holy Spirit comes at salvation is really for character. But the Holy Spirit, or but the Spirit comes upon us in baptism to equip us for service. When we get saved, we're, we're going to heaven. Salvation is, is fixed. It's secured. Our eternal home is set in stone. But if I want to accomplish all that God has for me and really do it to the fullness of what He has, I believe it requires the help of the Holy Spirit to do it. Now, I know some people would ask and would ask questions, well, can you be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues? Because a lot of, you know, look, this is a wide debate. Lots of people have lots of opinions on it. So I'll give you mine. Because the Bible says is that in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues. That this was the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what I will tell you. Now, this is my opinion on this. Because there are lots of opinion on this. But my opinion is that I do believe that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. Here's why, though. Because you're not willing to yield to Him. I believe when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to speak in tongues right then. But you still got to yield. I mean, I would even say that I believe that there's as much, if not more, yielding that has to take place to get filled with the Holy Spirit than it does to receive salvation. Receiving salvation is acknowledgement of, hey, I'm screwed up and I need some help. Well, that's pretty easy to acknowledge that. The Holy Spirit is a releasing of my will. That Holy Spirit, if you make me look foolish, I'm going to look foolish. The problem was I didn't want that. So I was very resistant to that. So I do I believe that it is possible for someone to be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. Do I believe that that's to their detriment? Yes. I've been there. Because I see the work of the Holy Spirit through speaking in tongues as a blessing and benefit. It's a gift from God. For our betterment. 
So there is a twofold work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Yes, it is for Christian character, but it's also for Christian service. I mean, if I'm called to preach, I'm called to preach. It doesn't matter whether I'm baptizing the Holy Spirit or not. I'm called to preach. That gift is going to function. The anointing of God can still be there. But yet, I also realize that there is another dimension that I can step into. I mean, even as being a spirit-filled person, I can tell when I minister if I've spent adequate time in prayer or if I haven't. Specifically praying in the Holy Spirit. I can tell a difference. It's a lot better when I've spent the right amount of time with the Holy Spirit praying. Why? Because my spirit man is being charged up. And not only that, my, my heart is much more in tune with the Lord. And I can hear when He gives a direction. You know, many times in worship, that's what I'm doing, standing up here in the front row. I'll begin to pray in the Holy Spirit while we're worshiping. And then I'll get quiet and I just listen. Lord, are you saying anything in this moment? Do, do we need to change the course of service? It ain't my service, it's His service. Well, if I'm prayed up in the Holy Spirit, I can hear his voice a lot clearer. You know, and so there are things, you know, about this. And even for you as an individual, you know, I said this earlier, but the closer that I walk with the Holy Spirit, the more I realize that I need him in my life. And and here's the thing, even as a spirit-filled person, every time that I pray in the Spirit, I believe that it's an acknowledgement on my part that I want him. Not just that I need him, I want him. Holy Spirit, I need you, but I want you to be a part of my life in this moment. Amen. You know, I remember when me and Dara were first moved back to Shreveport, I went and talked to Pastor Sam. I don't know, I'd have been there maybe a couple months or something. And he was asking me about, you know, what we were feeling the Lord doing, leading us to do in our heart. And I was like, well, Pastor, I'm not real sure. I just know the Lord told us to leave Kansas. I'm not real quite sure what to do. I was like, I have some ideas, but I don't have a word from God saying, go here, do this, whatever the case may be. I was like, I have a feeling that it's, you know, ultimately to pastor a church, but I don't know the winds, the wares, the hows, all that kind of stuff. And this is what he told me. He says, I think you just need to start praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. When you don't know what to do, pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Why? Because the Bible says that when you pray in the Holy Ghost, Romans 8, that you're praying for the divine, perfect will of God. There's nothing wrong with praying in English. I do. But also pray in the Spirit. Why? Because when I'm praying in the Spirit, it's God's perfect will. I'm now in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. I can turn it off and I can turn it on. I can say, I'm going to pray in the Spirit or I'm not going to. It's my choice. But every time that I start praying in the Spirit, it's an, it really is an acknowledgement that, man, I want Him to be a part of my life. And this is, you know, as we uh, wrap up this morning, this is what I would tell you. You may be here this morning and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is my encouragement to you. Don't allow fear or a lack of understanding to keep you from receiving the gift that God has for you. The greatest thing that I can tell you to understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to allow the Holy Spirit to teach you about it. I can show you scripture all day long, but yet when the power of God comes upon you, He will lead you and guide you, the Bible says. I don't have to vouch for him. He can vouch for himself. You know, and I believe that it's important. And so you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit the same way you do salvation. You ask for it. Father, you said that rivers of living water would flow from within me. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, I welcome you in. I ask for you to come and to flood my life. 
I want to experience a power that's greater than what I've known, a greater ability than what I've ever had. You know, so that may be you here this morning and you say, man, I, I want that. We're have, you're going to have an opportunity this morning to get filled with the Holy Spirit. But you may be here this morning and say, well, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. My encouragement to you is this. Do it more. Pray in the Spirit more. There's a closeness that comes. It's amazing. When I pray in the Spirit, I never feel more distant from the Lord. It's quite the opposite. The more I pray in the Spirit, the closer that I can sense me aligning with his purpose aligning with his plan aligning with what he wants to do and it doesn't you know you don't I mean you can have your prayer closet your war room whatever you want to call it I call it my office that's where I pray that's my place that's where I go to I don't care what you call it sometimes it's my car driving down the road I've shared this before, but Pastor Sam gave me that instruction. He says, you need to start praying in the Holy Ghost. And I was like, well, I don't really know where I could squeeze that time in. I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, you know, well, I know I need to be, be spending time with the Lord. What, when do I do this? How do I have time for this? And I had the thought. I believe it was the Holy Spirit. It says, you drive 25 minutes each day to work. That's 50 minutes a day. I could pray in the Holy Ghost. I started praying in the Holy Ghost every day. 50 minutes. I don't know how long it was. It was several months. Then I did that. Turned the radio off. Didn't get on the phone. Just prayed. I remember one day I was driving home. About halfway home. I was just praying in the Holy Ghost. Minding my own business. No big deal. And I can't explain it. I can't put it into words. But the presence of God filled my truck. To the point that I had to stop and pull over. Now I'm not prone to emotions. As far as overly. I mean, I'm talking about just begin to weep to the point where I couldn't see. That's why I had to pull over. And the presence of God just began to work in my life in that moment. Well, what was that all about? Well, I'd been praying in the Holy Ghost for months. I believe that moment is much of the reason why God ultimately got me here. Because I was praying in the Holy Spirit. I was seeking the Lord. I was paving the way for what He wanted to do. I was inviting Him in. I was acknowledging my need for Him. Acknowledging that I wanted Him to be a greater part of my life. And so, you may be here and you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Make it more of a priority. There's nothing wrong with praying in the natural. You need to pray in the natural, but you need to pray in the Spirit too. The devil don't know what you're saying when you're praying in the Spirit, but God does. He knows exactly what you're saying. And that's important. So what I'm going to ask you to do is you can stand up with me this morning. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come. And you may be here this morning and, you know, maybe...